Hey friends, this is Allie Simmons and Maggie Law, and we are hosts of the Happy Mom Podcast. We are relatable, joyful, and real working moms. This podcast was created because we wanted a sunny spot to uplift and support each other. It's just like a phone call with your best friend that you haven't caught up with in a few months. Join us as we discuss momming, wifing, parenting, working, and everything in between with a smile on our face and a cup of coffee in our hands. So let's get into it and find our happy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Happy Mom Podcast. We are so excited today. We have our first wonderful guest. We are so blessed to have her here, Dr. Blair. She is an OBGYN here in Pensacola. She is a physician, a mom, a wife. She's smart. She's absolutely gorgeous. Welcome. We're so excited you're here. Yay. Hey, Allie. And hey, Maggie. Thank you guys so much for having me here. Okay. I'm so excited about today. Yes. Well, out of the gate, tell us about yourself. So I am originally from Puerto Rico, but I moved to Pace, Florida in 94. So I consider myself a Pensacolian, if you will. Um, I went to PHS, it was an IB program, went to UF for undergrad, um, went back home to Puerto Rico for medical school, and then did my residency training in, at LSU in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, I've been out for about three years. Um, and I'm back here in Pensacola practicing OBGYN. That is awesome. And where did you meet? Cause your husband's an ENT. Where did y'all meet? <laughs> so we actually, we met in high school. Um, he's two years older than me. And we went to the same high school. Yeah. That is so awesome. How did y'all, um, so we looked up his bio before, you know, we, uh, did this podcast today and he did training nowhere where you did. So how did y'all do long distance for forever? So we actually went our separate ways for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. His sister is one of my best friends. We were college roommates at UF. And oh, so we were oh always in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we did two years of three years of long distance when he was in Michigan. Mm-hmm. We honestly, looking back, did a really good job of keeping in touch. We didn't go more than six weeks without seeing each other. Um, and then when I was an intern in residency, uh, we got married and he was still in Michigan finishing up and I, uh, pretty much was pregnant the whole time without him. So, um, when he moved to Louisiana, when he finished residency, I think I was maybe like 33 weeks pregnant. So super mom. (laughs) So yeah, but no, we did it. It was great. We didn't go more than six weeks, which I think made it kind of nice. So. All right. So tell us um, why you chose to be an OBGYN. You know, part of the pod, you know, podcast is called The Happy Mom. You uh, help uh, women become mothers, which now that I have kids, I just I was so scared of having a baby before I had a baby. And now I think like the actual birthday is truly like the coolest thing I've ever done. I've, you know, thankfully got to do it twice. What made you decide to be an OBGYN? So going into med school and really my whole life, I've always been really intrigued by surgery. So I've always wanted to do surgery. That was like, I went into med school. I was like, I'm going to be a general surgeon. This is what I'm going to do. I was always so fixated with the idea of being in the operating room. And then I did my general surgery rotation in med school. And I was like, you see somebody and then you're like, okay, your bladder's out. Have a great day. Call me if you need anything. Right. Um, And so it's so funny because OBGYN was my last rotation, my third year of med school. And my husband was like, I don't know. I just think there's something about OBGYN that you're really going to love. So 
don't set all of your applications on general surgery quite yet. So I rotated through OBGYN and he was totally right. There's just something so awesome and special about being able to treat somebody from their pregnancy and then even postpartum and then even like through menopause, you just develop these relationships with your patients that I think is really unique that you don't really have in other specialties in medicine. So, um, and I think delivering babies is just so fun every time. So, um, there, every, every delivery is unique and it's never mundane if you will. So I love it. That's so, that's so awesome. Cause I think part of it, like we have a bunch of friends going through this right now of, you know, it's so exciting when you actually have the baby, but there's a lot of people who struggle with trying to get pregnant. So I'm sure they lean a lot on you and really you guys become that way. And you know, what's, what's some of the best advice that you give for these, these women trying to get pregnant? Yes, absolutely. And that, that's definitely a, uh, one of my biggest advice is number one, finding a doctor that you have like really good rapport with, like finding somebody that you can sit down with and, and discuss your concerns. Um, infertility can be so isolating. And, and a lot of my patients struggle with that. I mean, they have their, their cousins or their best friends having babies and they're like, well, why is it so easy for everybody else, but not for me? And so I think it's also super important for them to find a support group um, of whether it's even on social media, like finding friends or having that community that has said, hey, I've been through it. I know what you're going through or is even going through the trenches with them at that time because infertility can feel super, super lonely. So I always tell my patients that, you know, finding a community to talk about their feelings with is very important. That's such great advice. Um, I actually, both of my babies are uh, IVF frozen embryo transfer babies. And I feel so grateful that I went through everything in the age of the internet because I did, you know, and Google can be a bad thing too. Right. I, did. I found blogs and then now Instagram is so popular. I mean, there's a couple accounts I still follow of girls that are, you know, going through infertility. And I think that that's awesome advice. I feel like you're like me and Allie, you're a millennial. And that's kind of like where we go for things and mm -hmm. there's there's so much good free awesome information out there that it is such a great way to to build community and you feel like you know these people um just by watching them on stories and you're like right. okay, i'm not alone so that that's really yeah. good advice yeah. um, what is that this is a, a question that we had what's the weirdest thing a woman has requested uh during birth like what's like the strangest request you've had you know i thought long and hard about this and i just i in my seven years of doing this, I feel like nothing phases me anymore. <laughs> so I don't know that I would consider anything like super weird. Um, sure. Sense. You know, but that's why you're so great. Cause to me, I'd be like, you want me to play what? And all I remember is when Vivian was born, um, meet the parents was on. And then when Violet was born, wild and out was on TV. I did not put it on TV. You know, like the Nick Cannon show. Yeah. Like, that's what I remember. Like, I remember pushing and seeing Nick Cannon's face. That's so funny. That is so funny. You know, that's what you, what you just said was so true. I feel like people, so, you know, Allie and I are both dentists. I feel like Wait. people come to our office at, when it's probably not as much with you, Allie, but you know, I, I treat a lot of adults being an orthodontist and they'll come in and they'll be like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I haven't been in the dentist in a couple of years. Like somebody embarrassed about my teeth. And in my head, I literally tell them, I'm like, I promise you, like nothing phases me. Like right. I, you know, it was just teeth. Yeah. I'm sure it's like the same thing with you. Like people probably like, 
maybe say oh, something. Oh, I get it all the time. They're like, I haven't shaved my legs. I'm so sorry. Or like, I didn't get my toes done. And I'm like, I don't even look anymore. <laughs> I'm so I'm guilty not. of that. And honestly, I think about not to get like TMI, but I'm like, okay, I want to like be so fresh and like, right. you know, shave and like look so good. And like, y'all are just in there and out. Like there's no, I'm, I, I doubt know. that you're like, oh, thank I you know, so you know much. What, I love Allie, your in your defense, like coming from like a patient perspective, every time I have to go to the OBGYN myself, I'm the same way. I'm like, okay, I have to have clean socks or my toenails have to be done. Even though like, I know, like we don't really care about any of that stuff. And it's like you fold your underwear up and you like try to oh, hide it underneath your pants. Right. <laughs> yes. So nobody notices your yeah. yep. That is so funny. And I bet it's so, you know, I, I, one of my girlfriends uh, just finished her OB residency. She's moving back to Tuscaloosa practice. And I bet it really probably changed. So you said you were pregnant your first year of residency. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool because, so you kind of had a baby early on. So you got to like know what it was like to be on the patient side of OBGYN before you had really done a couple years of OBGYN residency. Do you feel like that made you a more like empathetic, like resident and provider to these people since you had already kind of been through a delivery and a postpartum? Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that I think just being an OBGYN and being a mom and having gone through labor kind of makes you better in the sense that there's a lot that you can empathize with your patients. Um, I was induced with my son because I did not want to take call the following weekend at 40 weeks. I was like, I'm not going to be on call. I'm 40 weeks pregnant. I'm just going to have this baby. That is some dedication. Yes. Uh, So I was in labor for 31 hours with, with Wyatt. And, um, I think that, you know, when I have moms come in and they're like, Dr. Blair, I just really don't want to be induced. I don't want to, you know, be in labor for, and I, I get that, you know? Um, so yes, I think that being in training and having that, and then also just like breastfeeding. I think sometimes we fixate so much on that day of birth that we forget that there's so much to that postpartum period. Um, and then we become new moms and then we're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even ask my OBGYN about, you know, day 15 of my baby's life. Like what am I supposed to do? So Mm -hmm. I think that going through that in residency has definitely helped kind of have better rapport and just empathize better with my patients for sure. Well, and I had a little bit of like kind of baby blues with Vivian with my first, and I've been listening to a lot of you know, podcasts and, and OBGYNs talk about how in Europe and other countries, like you, you don't just do the two week follow-up and then go back to Pat's. It's like, you, you need to be there and make sure mom gets through all of this. And cause I feel like at two weeks I went back and I was still in a complete fog. Like, oh, I don't, sure. am I tired? Is this normal that I'm tired or I'm feeling right. a little overwhelmed, but I have a newborn. And then, you know, I started to get, you know, a little bit more of those depressed feelings, like a month or two into it, like when the excitement and the Instagram feedback kind of goes away and you're home alone and your thoughts, you know? Right. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, ACOG, which is American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology came out with new recommendations, not even just for postpartum depression and postpartum blues, but there's a, there was a, um, increase in maternal mortality just because, you know, we just think that it ends when you have a baby and there's so much that can happen. Um, and like you said, Allie, like, I feel like you're still like in a daze at the two weeks. There's so much more that I talk with about my patients at the six week visit than I even do at the two week visit. Um, cause you're just still right. So sleep deprived. So, right. Uh, well, and then not only that, you're also 
dealing with COVID going on too. Like, I'm sure that has got to be so much more on top of that, more anxiety, more stress for parents. Um, Can you share with us some of these recent recommendations for vaccinations with nursing women or pregnant women? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the CDC recommends uh, vaccination for all pregnant women as well as women that are lactating. Um, We obviously the vaccine is still very new for, from what we know and what we have. Uh, there was a study, I think it was in, um, JAMA or the new England journal. I can't remember, but, um, they did more, they, they looked at more than 35,000 women that were pregnant and have gotten the vaccine and there weren't, um, any effects on mom or the baby. So, that's very reassuring. Um, I highly recommend it for moms that are pregnant. We've noticed that babies have antibodies um, as well, just from passive immunity from the vaccine. So um, of course, we also recommend if you're trying to conceive or think that you want to get pregnant. I know that there were a lot of um, rumors about infertility related to the COVID vaccine. Um, Maggie, I don't know if you know this blogger. Her name is Natalie Crawford. She's a huge REI. She's amazing. Yes. So I actually just saw her like recommendations and it's really funny. One of my husband's a radiologist, one of his partner's wife's trained at Dallas Southwestern with her. Mm -hmm. She was a year older, but yes, I follow her on Instagram and was reading her like Instagram posts the other day. And she has a lot of awesome information. Like kind of debunking the myth about infertility and the COVID vaccine. So she's a great resource if anybody has questions about that. Um, I know a lot of women worry about it. Sorry. No, no, I was telling Allie, we'll tag her in the show notes and we'll share like her little square to our story. Cause I think that that's a, that's, that's a great idea to share what um, she says. And, you know, my heart really goes out to you with everything that you've had to deal with, with COVID in the, the last year. Um, I actually got pregnant with my daughter, a frozen embryo transfer on March 20th. So literally like right as the world was shutting down, we basically had to beg, borrow and steal and plead to get that transfer approved because the, um, uh, a, the American society of, uh, or reproductive medicine, like had recommended canceling embryo transfers two days before my, my transfer. And it, they were strongly recommending canceling it. And I mean, I basically, it's a long story, but we were able to, to, to do it, you know, um, and I'm so grateful for that. And there was so much uncertainty, this pregnancy, um, you know, was my husband going to be able to be at the birth with me if right. I had COVID and thankfully that all passed. And I did get my COVID vaccine as soon as I was able to in January. So my daughter was like eight weeks old. So I nursed her through the COVID vaccine. So that makes me like super excited that at least Sadie probably has antibodies. Yes. Um, Love all that. On a lighter note, tell us some old wife's, okay, are any of the old wife's tales that you hear true? Like, okay, if the baby's heart rate's faster or slower, it's a or a boy, or, you know, if the baby has a lot of hair, heartburn, tell us some of like your favorite myths and if they're true or not. So I don't think any of them are true. I just think they're so fun. (laughs) So anytime I do an ultrasound and their heart rate's like 160, they're like, oh, so I'm having a boy or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, you know? Um, there's also one where you like can put a ring on a string or something have you yes. one and like put it on your belly in whichever way, like if it goes straight or if it's like around. Yeah. Um, and then of course the heartburn thing, every time I'm 
we're delivering and I say like, oh, your baby's got a lot of hair. They're like, oh, no wonder I had so much heartburn. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think they're just fun. I don't think there's any like truth behind any of them, but it just kind of, and they're fun for like, you know, family things and people guessing. So that's so funny. Yeah. I know that, especially because in Hampton, our last one, we, I didn't find out. We didn't know what we were having. So, you know, you'd like do something and especially here at work, moms would be like, do you feel like your leg hair has been growing faster than normal? <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I guess no, then I don't feel, you know, <laughs> like There's a mountain woman. About, like, so I don't craving, really know. Craving certain foods. Have you guys heard that one? Yes. Salty or sweet. Uh, yes. No craving. And, you know. and then with my daughter, I was like, give me all the ice sugar cookies. Like every single one you can just put in my belly. I, um, I feel like my go-to with every time I'm pregnancy okay. is like childhood snacks. Like I want like gushers, Dunkaroos, like stuff oh, from when we grew up. <laughs> Mine are so weird and disgusting. Looking back, I, oh my gosh, tomato soup and pickles. Like what? Mm. Like together? <laughs> yes, like a meal. woman pickles. Yes. That is so funny. My, um, my college roommate would always eat that. She would eat tomato soup and put rice in the tomato soup. And then dip the pickle in. Weird. Yeah. I mean, weird. you know, but we were also had no money. So maybe that was. Okay. So I'm going to ask one or two more questions. Cause I know everybody's got to go do their stuff today, but we actually have a lot of friends here that are around my age. So I just turned 36, um, you know, kind of still out there in the dating world and just sort of at girls dinner, we were kind of talking about at what point do you start to encourage somebody to maybe freeze their eggs? Right. Cause you never want to obviously rush somebody to settle down or have kids when you're right. not ready. But I know also, you know, we have this clock inside where these eggs start to run out. So, so what are your thoughts? Let's say for like a 35 year old to freeze eggs or to not. Yeah. So I think that, um, is such a great question. And I think that it's definitely a personal decision. I don't think that, you know, everybody at 35 should freeze their eggs, but if somebody knows that they're not ready or they haven't found somebody, or it's just not in their timeline for their life right now, and they have a very strong desire to have a genetic baby. Um, I think it's a great option. I think knowledge is power. So we all kind of think 35 is this like big age because we're considered elderly gravitas. Um, but pediatric pregnancy, pediatric pregnancy, worst term yeah. ever. We've got to work on changing that. I want to change it. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but our eggs actually start decreasing, not just in quality, but in quantity at 32. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're in your early thirties and you know that Career-wise, you just aren't really ready to have a baby or don't want a baby anytime soon. I think freezing your eggs is a great option. Um, Costs and all of that is going to vary depending on where you are and your fertility doctor and stuff. But yeah, for sure. And especially if you are looking at having a uh, normal, genetically normal baby too, because that does decrease with age as well. Um, that's one thing that's too, you know, and I don't, I, speaking from the infertility side, you know, obviously when you do IVF, you do um, an egg retrieval. So my eggs didn't get frozen, but we did go and retrieve them and we did genetically test the embryos. Can you genetically test the eggs themselves that you freeze or would you test, would you test the embryos, not the mm-hmm. eggs? 
the embryos, okay. I think. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Good question. What are, what are the new recommendations on how often you should get, like, see your OBGYN for your annual visit and get a pap smear? So an annual visit's a little bit different than a pap. And, um, this is such a great question because I get this in my office all the time. Patients are like, well, I got a, I got a pap smear at the ER. I got a pap smear at so-and-so's office. And there's a big difference between a pap smear and a pelvic exam. So a pelvic exam is where we take the speculum, we look inside and make sure everything looks normal. And that can be done with or without a pap. So the pap smear is a screening test for precancer cells with the cervix, cervical cancer. And it's recommended to start at the age of 21, regardless of whether you're sexually active or not. Okay. Now, how often you get a pap smear is going to depend on the result of that first pap smear that you have. Okay. So it's usually between 21 and 30. It's every three years. And then from 30 on, um, if you have the pap smear with HPV testing, then it's actually recommended every five years now. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good to know. I honestly, I didn't even really know that. I feel like I just go and I'm told and, mm-hmm. you know, let them do what they want to do. Cause y'all are amazing. Well, I, I think my OBGYN told me I had to like get one in three years and I was kind of taken off guard because I feel like in my twenties and stuff, I had it every single year. So I was kind of like, wait, what? So, okay. So that's good. So that's good to know. There's a difference between a pelvic exam and a pap smear, which I didn't know that. I, I guess I, you know, I'm kind of one of those. I'm like, okay, you just, y- y'all do you down there. I'm just going to sit up here. I'm just going to try to be a really good patient right. and just get be, have this be done with as soon as possible. So I'm glad you explained the difference. Um, let's see, this is a question that we had. And um, I've, I've honestly been a little curious about this. Tell us about a diva cup. Do you recommend those? Like, yeah, I think they're great for women that don't want to use a tampon. I have some patients that love it. Okay. Um, I don't, I think it's important to know. I think the diva cup was like one of the first ones that came out. So I think it's the one that people are the most familiar with, but there's a lot out there. Okay. I think there's one that's called a Lily cup and it's a little bit smaller, more flexible. I have some patients who find it more comfortable. So, and just to clarify, cause I don't know if everybody knows what a diva cup is. It's, it's pretty much something you insert during your period. Correct. Right. Right. And then, and you, I guess, take it out and clean take it. it out, clean it, wash it, save it for the next month. Yep. Okay. Can yeah, that's kind of nice. like that kind of freaks me out. Can it get stuck or lost? So not lost. <laughs> <laughs> Can it get stuck? I have had, um, so I'm part of a, like a OBGYN mom's group or whatever, if you will. And, um, I had one that one of a colleague that posted that a patient got one that they couldn't like suction out. So can it happen? Yes. Come see us if that ever happens. Um, okay. but yeah. I did think about, cause like with, with my job, it's like my friends, you know, are, are going to bring their kids. They're like, well, we'll come bring my kids. I want to see you. Your job's a little bit different. Like, it's like, yeah. Oh, I love you. I want to come and you be my doctor. I mean, you know, you know, I wouldn't care, yeah. but I mean, that, that's kind of a interesting thing I was thinking about. Cause I talked to Neil and he was like, well, I mean, now that you guys like hang out or you're going to like switch to her. Is that weird? Yeah. Do you do, do a lot of your friends come and see you or is it kind of like they're your friends and it would be like super weird if you were their doctor? So I think it's like the opposite. Like we in residency, like treated each other all the time. Like when I was pregnant with Wyatt, one of my co-residents would scan me like almost every week. And one of my best friends delivered my little girl and I delivered her little boy. So not weird at all. Like that's so cool. 
It's just oh like, gosh. I don't know. I don't remember what it looks like. You know, it's just like part of the job. Just, you know? Do you have, do you treat some of your, like, do you have like some girlfriends that are, like are your patients so that you've got to like deliver their babies? I do. That's so I, do. I think, I think pre kids, I would never have considered seeing one of my friends like as my OB. Cause I think I'm just, I'm like, I'm like very weirded out by nudity. Like, you know, my husband, I know he sees, you know, he does procedures on people. Like I think he, right. he sees some nudity at work. You obviously do. Like I am like a, I'm like a child. I'm like, I don't want to see it. Like but <laughs> now, like if I had a girlfriend that like moved and she was an OB and I think I would a hundred percent go and see a friend now. So. Oh my gosh. Oh, for sure. Okay. And I think those are some of the most fun, like I'm not a crier. I didn't cry for my, my delivery of my own babies, but when I delivered my best friend's baby, it was just so emotional. It was like, so awesome. So, so good. Oh, that's so amazing. Well, okay. So the name of the podcast is the happy mom. So tell us one thing that made you happy this week. Well, I'm excited about the sunshine that we've had here in Pensacola oh. lately. I feel like June was such, such a rainy month. And so I'm excited about the sunshine and getting to the beach this weekend. So fun. Okay. You are the cutest OBGYN and, um, we are going to, um, whenever we post this episode, if anybody has any questions, they can, um, leave them below. And obviously you're not giving medical advice. We understand that. And I do want to, and I do want to disclaim this podcast, you know, Dr. Blair's not giving medical advice. You know, she's speaking to us like a friend. This is, you know, not that, but, um, this has been great. I do actually have one more quick question just to ask pelvic floor PT. What are your thoughts on that? Love it. Okay. Perfect. Love it. Refer yeah. patients all the time. You do. Oh. You refer. Okay. Yeah. I feel like my, my daughter, she came so fast. Like it was just again. And I bet you everybody like tells you their like delivery stories. And I was pretty concerned for a couple months. I'm like, I'm gonna have to like go to some physical therapy, but things have gotten better. Um, don't but go to Sky Zone or a trampoline park. I know, right? No, well, my only thing is no double unders at the gym. When I see double unders in the workout, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have to do my single unders. But um, okay, that's good to know that you're a fan of that. Yes. Um, okay, yes. perfect. Well, you are wonderful. And thank Thanks you so much. Your patients are, they are so blessed to have you because you obviously care. You are just so thoughtful and smart. And we are just so blessed that you gave us some time today. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Have fun. Y'all have a great week. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye.